Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Well, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at uh, the family and how we can grow stronger as a family and how we can have good godly Christian families. And um, One of the things though that tends to uh, be a struggle anymore is, is just simply the time we spent in association with each other. That is, that is what makes the whole difference in terms of relationships. Um, you know, you can be somebody that has, you know, a thousand friends on Facebook or, or uh, 10,000 followers on Twitter. You can be somebody that has uh, all these different connections on Snapchat and whatever, but <clears throat> how much do you really know those people? They might know a little bit about you because of the things you put on those social media platforms, and they might, uh, and it's scary what they know about you and what they can know about you because, uh, uh, listen, uh, I knew a, a young lady that uh, was all into this stuff on Facebook, and she just basically put everything in her life and on Facebook, and, and it, that tells you how long it's been. Uh, because I'm told Facebook is for old people nowadays. Uh, uh, anyway, the equivalent would be Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. She put all this stuff on on Facebook when she was young, and then she went off to college, and she put on there, uh, oh, this is my dorm room. Look at how I decorated it, and look at all the new clothes I've got for school and all that, and and then one day she had a total stranger come up to her and say her full name and talk and ask her questions about stuff that she had put on Facebook, stuff that normally would be uh, those types of things that a close, intimate, personal friend would know rather than a total stranger. I think uh, she changed her whole outlook on Facebook at that moment uh, because uh, those social media platforms can be good in that it allows you to to be able to uh, share uh, pictures and things with family members, but you have to be careful. You really do. But having friends and relationships, uh, uh, contacts with people on Facebook is not the same as being friends with them. I mean, uh, I... I uh, every once in a while, Robin will be looking through Facebook and she'll say, who is this person? And I'll say, well, that's somebody that I went to high school with. Well, do you really know them? Well, I know them from when I was in high school, but not anymore. I mean, it's been 30 plus years since I've been in high school. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure they've changed a little bit since that time and, and all of us do. 
So, and, and those changes are the things you want to see sometimes on Facebook and Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram and all those things, but they're not real friendships. And the time that we spend uh, looking at screens and looking at our phone and having our face buried in, in these devices are not time spent with family. One of the things that uh, uh, I was looking at in terms of uh, uh, this phenomenon is that the family has grown more distant in the last several years, and this is the this is the whole reason right here. Uh, families, forty eight percent of families spend forty eight percent less time doing face to face encounters with each other over breakfast you know when I was young it didn't matter what we were doing our whole family got together and ate breakfast at the breakfast counter we had one of those little counters it, it was really what it was is, uh, before uh, the people that lived in that house before my parents moved in they had uh, these aquariums and, and plants and stuff on it <coughs> excuse me and it was just a little island type thing in between the kitchen and the living room. And I think it was meant as a place to prepare food or, or whatever. But we used it as a breakfast nook. That was where we sat down and we, we got some of those uh, tall <clears throat> chairs. Uh, and we sat at that little island thing and we ate breakfast. Because, and because look, you only use your dining room when company comes over, right? I mean, uh, so we didn't sit in the dining room. We sat at this little island. We ate our breakfast every morning. We ate breakfast together. We saw, well, we saw the TV, but we could look look over at each other. But we didn't watch TV in the morning at breakfast. We spent time talking at lunchtime. If we were home on the weekends, that's where we sat and ate. And we spent time talking, and and my brother spent time annoying me with mouth noises and and things that he liked that I didn't like, like mayonnaise at the time. You know, older brothers they tend to to annoy younger siblings, don't they? And older sisters do that too. Uh, uh, it's not just I didn't have any sisters though, so I wouldn't be able to tell you that. But uh, we, you know, that's just all a part of growing up and being together as a family and and in the evening we all sat around the table and we all just about every evening that we could we sat around the table and we had supper together we uh, joined together at that meal uh, families do that 48% less than they used to just five years ago And 63% of the time, they don't even eat breakfast together. Many people today hardly even eat breakfast at all. And that time that we spend as a family is less and less and less. And even when we are together, we're spending it on individual screens, tablets, phones, whatever it may be. We're not really spending that time together. The most important thing that we can do in terms of having a good family is having that interpersonal relationship. Let me tell you about a guy that uh, 
that has been dead for a, a, over a hundred years now. He was uh, one of the wealthiest man uh, men to live uh, during those uh, days. He he died in 1918, so that tells you uh, when he lived during that time frame in the 1800s. And he was uh, most known because of the fact that he uh, uh, was the head of Standard Oil, John D. Rockefeller. And he was, when he died in 1918, he was uh, worth $1.6 billion. He was America's first billionaire. Now, to put that into perspective, now, in today's day and age, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of people that are billionaires. They're rich. They're wealthy. Believe me, uh, they are. But uh, $1.6 billion is not the richest man uh, today uh, that would live. Let me tell you how rich John, uh, uh, Rockefeller was. When he died in 1918, his $1.6 billion, if we were to put that in today's dollars, would be worth over $300 billion. The richest man on the planet Earth at this moment would have to have five times as much money as he has today to be as rich as John D. Rockefeller was when he died with $1.6 billion. That's how rich he was. And he said that the most important thing in terms of being uh, able to, to accomplish anything in life was relationships. Relationships. How well you get along with other people. How well you're able to speak with other people. How you're able to, to interact with people. Whether you're selling things or you're having a relationship in your family or whether you're uh, being a, uh, an individual in the, in the marketplace, in the office, or whatever it is. He said success was related to your relationships that you had with others. And the Bible tends to agree with it. If you'll turn with me in Proverbs, uh, one of the, uh, the wisest man to ever live wrote some letters to his, uh, some words of instruction to his son that would come along. That's what the book of Proverbs is. It's a collection of sayings that uh, Solomon wrote for his sons. And as king of Israel, he wanted to ensure that they would have his wisdom as well. And so he wrote these down for his sons. And we have the privilege of, of seeing these things as well. Proverbs chapter 12 <clears throat> Solomon talks about three different types of people that you'll encounter in this world. And you'll encounter them everywhere that you are. Everybody that lives is one of these three people. You'll either have... Uh, they're either friends or fools... And the other one is, what do you think? Family. You have wise people who are 
noted in this passage of Scripture. And let's just look at it for a minute. And, and he goes through this uh, chapter in Proverbs and he kind of details these three different groups. And some of you might say, well, uh, you know, my family includes a lot of these uh, people as well. Um, he says, Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof, reproof is brutish. And so he says, he's basically saying what you need to be aware of is, first of all, is you need to be someone who's willing to learn. One of the most uh, difficult things that, that I've found as pastor is trying to share God's Word with people that just don't want to learn. And what I mean by that is not simply people that uh, that are uh, in school. All of us go through school, and all of us uh, you have everybody has different relationships with school. Everybody has a different relationship with learning. For some of us, learning is very easy, and for others of us, learning is a challenge, is a, is is a task. For others, learning is is boredom because they don't uh, they don't have any sense of value to what's being taught. Wherever you are in terms of that, you carry with that uh, the habits you have in learning that you develop while you're in school are the same habits you have with learning throughout life. You learn the same way and you continue to learn throughout life. And unless you have a change of heart and a change of desire uh, or you find that one thing that is in life that that you just simply love. Now, I remember... <clears throat> I was, and I'm not talking about grades. I'm not talking about how well you do in school and all of that. But when you find that one thing that you really love, that one thing that is really that you're really passionate for, it does. It's not that difficult for you to learn. It's not that difficult for you to to gain uh, understanding about that subject because you have a passion and a drive. And we as Christians, we're supposed to have that with God's word. We're have we're supposed to have a passion and a desire to grow closer to God and to grow closer. Uh, uh, in relationship to with Jesus Christ, and and how do we do that? We do that through His Word, and and Solomon says, if you love instruction and you love knowledge, uh, then you are someone who will learn easily, and you have uh, a greater uh, opportunity to learn. But if you hate lear uh, learning, if you hate reproof, that's what uh, learning is then you'll be brutish. A good man obtaineth a favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of righteousness shall not be moved. And a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is a rottenness uh, in his bones. So he begins this chapter of Proverbs chapter 12 talking about uh, the virtues of learning, the virtues of having wisdom, the virtues of being someone who grows in wisdom and understanding. And let me just explain something else. Wisdom is not the same thing as knowledge. You can be someone who has an encyclopedic understanding of all things and you can rattle off all kinds of statistics and not be wise. You can be someone who uh, may not have every bit of information, of knowledge of everything, but still be wise. It's what you do with knowledge 
that makes you wise and how you allow yourself to be exposed to, to knowledge and how you allow knowledge to come into your life and how you apply it that makes you a wise person. And of course, when you follow after God's direction and God's uh, uh, instruction in your life, you become a wise individual. And so he says, look, uh, men and women, uh, a wise man is someone who loves to learn, someone who uh, is uh, able to take instruction in a wise woman. A virtuous woman is someone who is very tre- uh, treasured in her family, someone who is uh, very uh, um, <clears throat> valuable, a part of the family, and those who are not are uh, uh, an abomination, a, a disgrace to their family. And the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. And so he equates someone who is able to to understand the knowledge that God gives them and equates that into wisdom as someone who is grows closer to God and someone who is able to have a brighter relationship with God. And he says, but uh, the wicked are those who simply don't want to have a... Uh, relationship with knowledge, a relationship with wisdom in their life. Uh, look down at verse 10. A righteous man regards the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Uh, he that tilleth his land shall not be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain pers- uh, persons is void of understanding. He says not only is this in terms of your relationships, but even in the things that you do, everyday type things, taking care of your pets or or dealing with livestock on your farm, or uh, going out and going about your business, uh, whether it's farming or anything else. He says, uh, a wise man is someone uh, that, uh, that does those types of things in the proper way, in a proper way. Uh, the righteous man regards those things and deals with those uh, issues in life in a proper way. And the wicked person is the person who simply uh, wants to just simp- uh, just to get everything they can out of life and to do everything they can and to possibly uh, accomplish without any regard of other people. And so he says, the wise man, the wise individual is someone who allows wisdom to be a part of their life. Um. In verse 14, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth and his recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. And the way of the fool is uh, right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. So now he begins to compare the wise man with the foolish man. The wise man is someone who is able to speak his uh, mind and is able to, to say the things that are on his heart and is satisfied with the way in which he shares those things and makes sure to uh, to to say the the you, you've you've been around people that that even in in their conversation with each other uh, just everything that comes out of their mouth seems to be toxic. He says a wise man is someone who who brings forth when he speaks with other people. It's like a fruit that is uh, good for everyone to. To partake of, but a foolish person is someone who doesn't think about what he says. A foolish man uh, does all the things that he does, and they're uh, all right in his own eyes. 
But he that uh, takes counsel is a wise person. A fool's wrath is presently known, but the prudent man covereth shame. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness is deceit. And there is that speaketh like the piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. So what he shares here is that a, a wise individual... What makes the difference between a wise person and a foolish person? A wise person makes sure that their conversation is correct. A wise person ensures that they are doing the types of things that bring honor to God. A wise person is prudent in the ways in which the things that he says, he watches his mouth. He watches the words that come from his mouth. Make sure that he uh, doesn't say things that are going to be hurtful and harmful to other people. Make sure that everything that he does is beneficial to others. Whereas the foolish person, he says, they don't care. Everything they do seems to be right in their own eyes. They go about their business and they do all kinds of things that, that bring harm to other people. And they don't, they don't care because they're foolish people. They're, they don't have wisdom within their heart. But he says, but a wise person, they are concerned. Then you have those that are deceitful, those that are wicked, those that are enemies. You know, I I said that you had three types of people. You have family, uh, you have friends, you have fools, and then you have enemies. The enemy is the one that has deceit within their heart. Look at verse 20. He says, Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. But to them, uh, to the counselors of peace is joy. There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked uh, shall be filled with mischief. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of the fools proclaim foolishness, and the hand of the uh, diligent shall bear rule. But the slothful shall be under tribute. It says the evil person, the the people that are uh, enemies in your life, those that are are downright deceitful, they have uh, nothing but malintent in their in their heart. Their desire is to do nothing but to destroy you. Now. <clears throat> It would be good for you to just simply read through this whole chapter and see how he compares between the righteous man, the fool, and those who have evil within their heart. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the fool. I don't think anybody wants to be the fool. And I hope you don't want to be the evil person that has mischief and that has evil within their heart. So that means that you need to to seek to be the wise person, the righteous individual, the one that has a godly heart, has righteousness within their heart. Um, And if you just simply go through and read all this, you'll see all the things that a righteous man has. Verse 26 says, The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. The slothful man uh, roasteth not, that which he took in hunting, but the substance of diligent man is precious. And in the way of the righteousness is life, and in the path thereof there is no death. 
Solomon is trying to help his sons and to help us to understand what God wants for us to have for us in our life and in our in the life of our, our family. We need to be sure that we are righteous individuals, people that are wise in the decisions that we make, that we watch the things that we say, that we're careful in the things that we do, that we are ensuring that that we do nothing but that which is good in the sight of God, that we desire to to help others and to bring about joy in the life of our, our family as well as the lives of those that we encounter. Otherwise, we're just simply a fool. Or we become the enemy of the others in our life or and the enemy of God. God desires for us to do His... His. We talked about it this morning during Sunday school, and I hope that you are here for Sunday school and can enjoy the, the rich uh, blessings of being a part of Sunday school. We talked about knowing God's will and, and following after the leading of our Holy Spirit. And that's what God's desire is for us, that we would follow the Spirit of God, that we would uh, be a person that has righteousness within us because of the fact that we are people that follow after God. (coughs) But if we don't, we're not going to have the joy, That we're not going to have the happiness, we're not going to have the enrichment of our life. And and you know, uh, it seems as though our families are all about trying to be happy, Uh, about the enjoyment that we get, about going on vacation and the enjoyment that we get and the things that we do. This is a foolproof plan in order to make sure that your family is healthy and happy and having a lot of fun is to be the righteous person that God's called you to be, to be the person that has wisdom by making sure that your life follows after the pattern that God would have for you in your life and to ensure that your children also learn to have uh, to follow in the footsteps of righteousness so that they too can have a happy life. Let me just share one thing with you that I, I know for a fact. The way that you are in, in your home will determine how your children turn out. And one thing that, that I learned a long time ago was is, uh, the way that, that you do things in your life today with your children is going to be the way that they do unless they make a concerted effort to change because they want to prove me wrong. <clears throat> the way that you take... Look, um, when I was growing up, when you got uh, when you changed out of your clothes that you had uh, worn during the day and you put on your pajamas or got ready for bed or whatever, mom and dad taught, told us, uh, boys, you take your clothes that you wore that day and you don't just throw them over in the corner of your room or make a big pile somewhere in your room uh, until uh, the earth shakes and and and. Uh, uh, we have you get covered by an avalanche of clothes. No, you take those clothes and you put them in a dirty clothes hamper, right? And guess what? We now have in our home a dirty clothes hampers, and we don't just throw our clothes anywhere. We don't just put them in, uh, in the corner of the bedroom. We don't stack them up uh, here and there. Every, 
Well, at least when we're doing what we're supposed to. Uh, we put them in the dirty clothes hamper and we're teaching those things to our children and hopefully they'll carry those things too. Um, when we get up in the morning and we have breakfast, when we're able to, we have breakfast together. Uh, we always make sure in the evenings that we can to sit together as a family and have uh, our evening meal together and we're and one of the things that I've told them is look when we're sitting at the table together as a family we don't have our phones out we don't have our tablets out we don't have computers out we're we're sitting there as a family to discuss the things that we uh, and look those things that that I'm doing now in my home are things that hopefully that my children will carry on into their families and into their lives. And, and, and that's how we pass on virtues and values and righteousness of God is the things that we do are the way in which uh, our children understand are important. My parents, from the very earliest uh, day, we were talking uh, the other day at uh, the... Uh, associational meeting uh, uh, about how long we've been uh, in church and, and we talked about that and, and uh, my, my mom uh, we, they had this thing called the, the, the nursery roll when, when uh, in church when, I, uh, when my mom was pregnant with me that meant that I was already a quasi member of the church while I was still in my mama's belly even though I hadn't even been born, I was already on the uh, uh, nursery roll. And the, the idea was is that the church would help uh, with things, little things to help my mom while she was pregnant. And it was a great idea. It was a great uh, concept so that once I was born, my family would know there's a place for uh, me and my brother when we, as just little infants in church already. And... Every Sunday, every Wednesday night, every time the church doors were open, we were there. We were there. And that was drilled into my mind and in my heart. And it made it easy for, uh, for me as an adult to know the importance of being in church, being uh, there, knowing that I had a place to be at church and, and, and that I was welcome in church and needed to be a part of church, needed to be a part of the fellowship of believers. Uh, why? Because my parents drilled that into my heart and into my mind. And when we do those things in our home today... We teach those things to our children so that they'll carry them on in their life as well. And so uh, Solomon here is, is saying, make sure that you follow these uh, guidelines. The things that you establish in your life today are the same things that you'll establish into the lives of your children that they'll carry on into your children's life as adults and then your grandchildren when they have children, your great-grandchildren, and on and on and on. Uh, and that's how the, the tradition... Uh, the uh, the gospel is shared and how righteousness is is 
moved on from generation to generation. God's desire is, is that you would have a home that would be a house of wisdom, a house of, of righteousness, of sharing the love of Jesus Christ with, within your family, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with those that are part of your extended family and a part of uh, the lives of those who are all around you, and then sharing uh, the gospel with people that you don't know that that will one day become a friend, a co-worker, or somebody else in your life. Uh, making sure that you share God's love with others and helping them to understand uh, the righteousness of God in their life as well through your example. So as God uh, has blessed us with His Word, let's pray and ask Him that we would have godly homes in our life.